everyone and welcome to this live episode of to the moon allison where we talk about the top and trending works in science fiction fantasy speculative fiction and romance i'm your host allison martine hubbard i'm the author of the contemporary romance series the bourbon books and works of speculative fiction and i'm excited to be joined today by our first romance author on the show leah lewis hello leah Oh, I had no idea it was your first. That's You're so my first romance author. We've had fantasy. We've had science fiction. We've had, I think I would call David R. Slayton, maybe paranormal romance. Wow. So this is the first that we get into the whole spectrum of what we do here on this show. And we wow. are doing it with Eight Perfect Hours. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on as well. This is so, this is such a nice thing to do on a super gloomy evening where it is for me I know it's not for you but it, it definitely is evening here it's pitch black outside so we have to forgive Leah's lighting because she is going through a reno so if she ever goes into the shadows she's not trying to be spooky or anything no. just tell her to scoot forward yeah but you know what? it's towards the light or something yeah no you're, you're good and I actually don't have great light here today either and even though I'm in Southern California and Leah is there in London I think we borrowed some of your weather today because it's pretty gloomy, but some of it might be smoke because <laughs> we've got wildfires. So oh gosh, it's, oh, wow. we're used to it. Honestly, yeah. it's I, I checked yesterday because we could smell it and I'm going, something might be on fire, but it wasn't <laughs> in my county. So we're okay. It's not your house. It's fine. Not your street. No. You're all mm -mm. safe. Not even my county. We're good. But Leah, there's there's snow on the cover of this. There might be ash outside, but you don't have snow in London yet, do you? No, no, we don't. We don't get it all that often, really. It's um, it's one of those things that we all. I think we're divided. Some people hate it, and I think the reason people hate it is because we're so ill-equipped to deal with it over here. So as soon as it happens, the whole country comes to a complete standstill, and nobody could get to the top of the road, let alone. <laughs> work and so yeah but I, I mean I think it's one of those things it's romantic if you haven't got to be anywhere um if you can look at it out the window and say oh it looks cold out there I think that's quite a nice place to be I said a bundle up instead yeah. of well and that's a great segue because eight perfect hours starts with some very inconvenient weather that gets our main character stuck in a place she doesn't expect Do you want to tell us a little bit about this lovely book yeah, um, so Eight Perfect Hours is about two strangers who meet when their cars are stranded on a snowy motorway and they are both going to two very different things. One of them, Noelle, is coming home from something and Sam is on his way to the airport to go back home to America where he lives and two people that would have never otherwise met are stranded beside each other and Noelle's phone is um, out of out of juice and she has no way to charge her phone and he offers from the next car to help and so that's kind of that's sort of where it all begins it all starts to unravel with these two strangers um noelle and sam who are pushed together in kind of weird and sort of fortuitous fortuitous so i couldn't say that um circumstances yeah, fortuitous and fateful, perhaps, which plays a huge role in your book. And I will laugh because Noelle, Noelle is British and Sam is American. And Leah, you and I were talking a little beforehand how it's kind of funny because here in America, there are quite a few of us who have the obsession with men with British accents. And apparently there it's kind of reversed that you're like, oh, the dreamy American accent. Totally. So, yeah. Sam is American. He I would, is. 
did Sam have any real life basis? Is there a dream actor you would cast as Sam? How do we picture Sam? I always worry about this question because it does change. Sam, <laughs> Sam, it usually changes for who I've got a crush on at the time, who I write. As well it should. Yes, exactly. I think everybody can everybody can relate to that when writing, especially when writing romance or just writing a kind of any book that's kind of got a sexy hero in. Um, but I would say someone like Ross Butler for me is very, very Samish. Um, but he, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we came on, but he he arrived as some characters do. Some char- and it's so frustrating because you cannot control who those characters are. <laughs> no. Nope. You have exactly, and you probably know this all too well, that sometimes a character will walk into a room and you'll be like, oh, okay, um, fine, like you're in the book. Uh, What can I say? You're writing yourself. Exactly, like come and sit down. Whereas other people, you know you've got to have them in the book, but they're just, it's wooden and you're sort of, you're almost, Mm. it's like clairvoyance or something. You're sitting there going, come on, give me something else. Say something. Yeah, say something. Who are you? What gets your blood pumping? Talk to me. And they're the hardest a lot of the time to nail, but some people walk into the room and Sam was very kind of, I, at first I tried to make him sort of different than he was and he, he just oh, he fought you on it, didn't he? He did. He's like, he no, did. sorry, this is not who I'm going to be and I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to crumple up your ideas there if you know what I'm getting at. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I was like, I want to make you a little bit more fun and he was like, I'm very stoic and remote and I like to be the strong and silent type. And I was sort of trying to go, yeah, but maybe you should be more like this. And, you know, I did try and I look at earlier drafts and I think I can see he, it was sort of like a bit of a battle really between sort of what naturally wanted to be so and, um, yeah, what I was kind of trying to force. But, yeah, he, he was American when he walked into the, the room. So um, <laughs> He showed you his passport and his <laughs> little American flag. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we're uh, going to be a foreigner. Fine, exactly. you can stay if you must. If you must, exactly. That's what happened. Well, and I laugh because I recently, with the book that I'm currently writing, I just recast who the male lead is because I couldn't get his voice down, and yeah. it was the silliest thing because the guy that I was hearing, he just wasn't sparking for me, and the person that I was hearing and seeing, I'm like. But he's too short. And how silly is that that it matters? I'm like, I'm writing a fictional character. No one knows how tall he is. No one knows how tall he is, right? But in my head, it was based on an actor that I'm going, but my main character in this one, she's quite tall. This wouldn't this wouldn't work. And I had to just tell myself, it's fiction. I know. You're allowed to change things about him. He can be whatever I say he is. This is what I say to myself. He can be whatever I but sometimes as you fight you on it. Yeah, you do. And you're like, no, you are six foot. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you know what? I'm, I'm keeping him short. I've decided it's okay that he is not as tall as she is because there is no rule that says a man must be taller than a woman or yeah. that they have to have like a certain height differential. That's no. And a lot of the time, it's not even about, like, I don't really go into great detail. I never, because I don't like mm-hmm. it when books go into absolute microscopic microscopic detail because what I find attractive and what I find kind of magnetizing about someone is not always what someone else does and so I always try to keep it vague and actually I'm always being told by my editors just a little bit more just a teeny bit more um (laughs) no sorry um but I always do but I always try to be quite vague because 
I think the chemistry is so much more important. And that yes. And you can't almost, oh, you can't almost articulate what that is. Like if someone was to say, mm-hmm. how to write that, it's a bit like, I don't know. It's like an alchemy kind of. It is. It's those, those vibes, those feels. I mean, I think the number one thing that I'm always looking for in a romance and whether it's a historical romance or if it's a romance storyline in something that isn't even a romance book per se is those vibes and the way that those characters feel together. And you can't, you can't make a chemistry reaction of that very formulaic. It's going to be different every time. So it's like, you know it when you see it, but you can't necessarily say, okay, well, what you have to do is have them touching here and then wanting to touch here and then sort of like it, it no it's not how any of it works but it doesn't work it just Mm-mm. and it's like the, the cutest kind of most natural almost kind of sexiest bits of a book I think are those bits that just happen and someone yes. says a comment and then there's a snarky reply back and then that becomes a little bit of a joke and it's all those little things I would never I mean I am a planner I plan meticulously but there are always those things that I depend on like right well I don't know what this funny thing is going to be but I know something will happen between them naturally on the page that that will fill in the gap um but there are some things you can't plan and um you can't you kind of learn that every time I mean I'm four books in now and I I've just finished my fourth today and I feel that is today day (laughs) okay that's I'm cheersing you with my chai so I shall cheers you with my water bottle <laughs> it's a very pretty water bottle though that's like galactically cute this is the this is what i bought to try and encourage myself to drink because as i was saying to you earlier but it's I not just, working because you're not drinking exactly nothing works um, i'm <laughs> forcibly fed water i think um but well, yeah have to set up an iv line for you <laughs> just to sit there. she's like i'm writing so if you could just kind of put the line in but exactly. so I can still bend my arm and type. That will be fine. Yes, exactly. I really, and then maybe bring me a meal um, every so often. That'd be great. Because that's, I mean, that's, and that's why I said to you earlier, I was like a, just so tired because I always, you probably didn't eat today either. <laughs> no, not, I, had a, I had a little bit of pizza in a kind of, well, I've got time to eat a slice of pizza. It's just, I get into this very impassioned and it's so slow. It takes me such a long time to get in that, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. I can't wait to be back with them. I just need to finish it. I just need to finish it. I have to wait for that to come. And it doesn't always come. Oh. Right. Well, someone's saying chai is much better. Okay. Yes. Laura, Laura Jacko is saying, I'm also terrible at drinking water. Chai is much better. And I was even thinking Laura of you earlier because um, Laura does a Twitch stream and one of her regimes on her Twitch stream is to make her drink water because she forgets and we're like, make Laura drink water. So oh, yeah. oh, well, there's make- no way to do that for authors though. I don't know if you've got like a Patreon or something where we could be like, make Leah drink water. <laughs> but like when they're just reading your book, there's no way to make you go back and drink the water. No, now. Like, I know I need, I literally, my boyfriend tries. He's always like, have you had anything to drink? And then I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I'm an adult. And then I think. I'm an adult. <laughs> you just keep telling yourself that. But you're like, I'm yeah. a dehydrated adult is what yeah. I am right now. I'm dehydrated and I'm ill, but I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is, I always blame the books because I don't, and it's something I'm really trying to get better at, but I almost, it's almost like a um, cliche artist that goes into their cave and makes this amazing you know is mad and just can only focus on one thing and then emerges like looking like something that just got you know trapped somewhere for weeks and comes out saying it's done it's done that's how that's what I'm it like. is finished <laughs> it's 
done. Yeah, exactly. I am now like half a woman. That's how I feel. But um, it's done, and I, I just, I, I've still got to learn that I can't always plan, and I think that's something that I'm learning every single time. There is always a point in a book where I come to, and I think this isn't what I thought it was and it's trying to be something else and I have to listen to what this book is really about and that happens every single time so um yeah I I love that though because I am very much so a pantser and I joke that I am they they say the nicer term for us pantsers is discovery (laughs) writers and it's that we're discovering the story as we go and I have always said if you gave me an outline I would have a blank page because I don't know what the story is until I go. But my process is always changing a little bit where I see glimpses or I can see certain general points or know, okay, this is where it ends, but I don't really know where we're getting. I feel like nobody is one or the other in extreme. I feel like everybody has like, they're somewhere along that gradation of planner versus, versus a pantser and figuring out, okay, how am I discovering the story? And sometimes if you're open to those things, that's great. So I can't imagine somebody going, well, I'm sorry, the outline didn't say that. So this amazing scene I just came up with, <laughs> I'm not going to type it. Yeah, no. no, you never completely stick to it. And I, I am, I re- really suffer with self-doubt. So for me, a mm-hmm. plan is a kind of, it's like someone holding my hand. It's like past Leah who says, I've got this great idea for a book. Here's what midpoint's going to be. This is how it's going to end. It's going to be a story about X, Y, and Z. And I will, my initial reaction to that, and I thought it would, and I always talk about this, but I always sort of thought it would disappear once I had books out in the public domain and and books in shops and things like that. I thought, oh, I'll be fine then. I won't have any doubt. But actually, it almost gets worse because the pressure to, if someone loved your previous book and you've got, and they're waiting for your next, you're feeling like, like I can't I can't match it I might not be able to I might disappoint them and so I need really a because I mean I'm going to be moving to that stage shortly which is I've you know I've got to write another book and I really have this lovely idea that I love but I need to trust myself and I can't always do so my plan for me is here is the book and even on the days that you wake up and think I can't do this and you're crippled with fear sometimes if I know right well okay you've got to write a conversation between character A and character B you don't have to think about it you just can write whatever comes out and but you know and it's almost like because I know what I've got to write Mm -hmm. is the fear will always be there but it's it's a lot less than if I'm faced with a blank page and I don't know what I'm supposed to be writing but having said all of that my books always go in a direction <laughs> and I'm like no <laughs> come back um <laughs> really yeah. back in here book exactly and that's when I always go back to my plan and think okay but I always try I'm always tweaking and tweaking and tweaking at all times but as I said I always get to a point where I don't um know what they're really about until and you know the heart of a book you know like you can have the external things happening but how someone's internal journey for me is what usually comes out very naturally like oh right I thought this was about her you know doing this but actually it's about her learning to xyz and that's um that's usually the part that will kind of come out so that part you maybe can't plan as much because Mm -hmm. it comes out more organically versus you might know the external things and can make them go there but what they experience when they get there you have to be surprised by yeah and I was laughing because Jennifer Ann Gordon posted down she doesn't know what her books are about till about halfway through yeah that's very much true because 
I get her drafts as she goes, but <laughs> not, not as she goes and reading them as she goes, but she tells me where she is. And she's like, I don't even know what just happened. And I just wrote a book about this and that part's probably going to go somewhere in the editing, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw but, you relate to that. I saw you relate. Yeah. But I, I love that you have these, these, the handholding of yourself. I love that you can be your own cheerleader that way to say, okay, future Leah, past Leah's got you. It's like your security blanket too, to wrap yourself in that outline and go, all right, stuff is going to happen and just keep typing and the characters are going to give you some more. So this isn't all of it. This is just your, your starting point. That's exactly what it's like for me. I need, I need you to tell me about Dilly. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. For those who don't know, Dilly is the the brother of the main character in this book. And he's quite a Dilly. (laughs) He's he's the best name ever for him. I just thought when he was Dylan, he sounded a bit too cool because Dylan's such a cool, nice name. And then when they immediately, Dilly came out of my fingertips, I was yeah. like, of course he's a Dilly. He has to be a Dylan yet. He, can, he will be a Dylan when he is an adult and he's grown up. And he's <laughs> not there yet. No. He was another character that just went, oh, here I am. Here I am. <laughs> knew immediately who he was, wanted immediately to shake him and put a rocket up his backside <laughs> in the way of, please like step up and I found him really frustrating to write because again you can try you know in the beginning of the book I made him a little bit more um just a little bit more kind of responsible and again it just didn't work I thought no he doesn't want to be he's a child he and no one's making him Uh I, I mean that was that was the big thing and I've had, I've had people read some of my books and go, Oh, I was frustrated with your characters when, and he was my big frustration and not so much him because I know people like that. Yeah. And it's not about, it's not about they won't step up, but it's the nobody's making them step up. Yeah. So yeah. first off, is there a dilly in your life? And do we need to go <laughs> put a rocket up something for them? Thankfully, no, but I think okay. we've known a dilly. And actually I, it's one of those, again, the kind of weird thing of, I never really know. I always think it's completely, you know, and it is fiction. Of course it is. I have never been stuck in a traffic jam and got talking to a hot stranger. Um, but it's like, as I write, I think this is completely external of me. And then I read back and think, ah, I wrote about loneliness because I was feeling lonely last year. Or mm-hmm. I wrote about mental health because I was struggling with it at the time and didn't realise. It's always in hindsight that I see. And I think with Dilly and... Um, Noelle's relationship I mean my relationship with my brother is nothing like Dilly (laughs) he's like I would like a disclaimer on the front of every book saying that this is not related to me I'm not like that people are how dare you I know people and people (laughs) ask like is this based on you and I'm like absolutely not no um but um I was having this sort of I think I've got three children and when you, I think when you have kids, it makes you sort of look at your childhood and also your life and, oh, wow, like I am actually a grown-up now. And I By default, because you're like, well, if I'm your mom, <laughs> yes, I'm the adult in this situation. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'll and sign it, the permission slip because I guess I'm the one who's supposed to. Exactly. Right. And I feel like that a lot. But I think when you're the eldest, and I'm the eldest of mm. my brother is younger than me, there is a matriarchal thing that goes on with older, well, not always the older children, but there's always a child in the family, especially if you're an only child as well, that it's matriarch vibes wherever you go and people lean on you. And I have always felt like almost like a matriarch in my family because I am the oldest daughter and um, I am the kind of 
type A. I like everything organized. I like to see everything. Whereas my brother is very laid back. He's the opposite. And that sort of, I think because I didn't get to see them because of lockdown, I was thinking a lot about my brother, thinking a lot about my mum and my dad. And um, I think that's where, that's kind of what Noelle and Dilly represent that matriarch of the family thing and Dilly is that person that you think hang on a minute I wouldn't be able to get away with that (laughs) nope and he yeah and I think everybody knows somebody like that that's like well you might want to do that but actually the rest of us are out there having to get on with it and that is um I think that's what Dilly represents there is not a Dilly in my life but I think everybody has known a Dilly well, and there was such a good contrast between, and I, I'm going to avoid doing any spoilers, but you've got one character who basically just does whatever he wants, mm-hmm. and the other one who has curtailed her entire life to be at the beck and call of those who need her. So, like, you've got complete res- complete responsibility, dependability, versus do whatever I want, and everyone will just kind of pick up my mess afterwards, yeah. and that's okay. And someone is expected to get a second job rather than someone get a real job. You know what I mean? Like that contrast. But I think we probably know people like that and know those kind of situations. Um, And then seeing what that does to Noelle, because I know one of the things I was thinking about such a big theme in your book is mental health and the struggles there. And you said that was something that was close to to your heart and dealing with loneliness. I don't know if it was when you were writing this, if it was writing a later book, because this is, this is your third complete book. Cause you've got um, the one before this was Dear Emmy Blue. And then what was your first one? Uh, my first one wasn't out in the US, um, Somewhere wow. Close to Happy. Um, Somewhere Close to Happy was my first, my debut, and Dear Emmy Blue was my debut in America. But yeah, so, and the, and, you know, the US, Canada, um, et cetera. So yeah, this is my third full novel. Um, it, mental health is a massive part of book one and also in book two and also book three. Okay, so, so this isn't just part of this and this is just a theme that you like to draw on. Yeah, and I almost don't realise that I do. <laughs> until I've written it and then I'm like oh god there's like lots of mental health in this but um it is close to my heart and I think I I don't know it's just something that I think the more I the more I talk about it and the more other people talk about it with me the, the stronger and the more heard and seen people feel I think and sometimes it can be hard to you know be the one that sort of stands up and says you know, well, I have anxiety too, or, you know, I've suffered with depression. But I think mental health is such an alienating thing because it lies. And it, when it comes along, it will say, you're the only one in the world that feels like this. And that just makes the whole thing so much worse. Um, so when I, I try to kind of thread it in, in a kind of very, um, it's just part of their lives way. And yeah. it isn't who they are. It's just, a part of them and but it doesn't define everything like Charlie still has a really full life in the book um and she does suffer with her mental health but she still and she, you know, she has a baby she has a family she has a business but she has is a baby named Petal she does I oh, love that name like that is oh, such too. a granola crunchy adorable name and I'm <laughs> I'm actually now surprised that none of my children had classmates named Petal because we got some very interesting names back really? around the school time but no Petals no petals. Two oh. different clementines. No petals. Oh, I love that. Isn't that cute? That's so cute. I love that. I love baby names. I love, and I love naming characters because of that. Like, that's so much fun. Just 
going through baby name books thinking, oh, what sort of person would that be? And (laughs) so I think names are so fun. Names are really fun. It's such a fun part of the. Like Ed the Ped? Yeah. (laughs) Ed the Ped. Yeah. Would you say, because he's a pediatrician. And, and for, for people who don't know, Ed is Noel's ex-boyfriend who is still part of this storyline and everything, but he gets shortened to Ed the pen. I'm going, I, I'm assuming they know that that's not a nice thing to call people because people would think pedophile instead of pediatrician. It's a bit tongue in cheek, a little bit like, and I think because he's a bit of a, he's a bit of an ass, it's quite easy to, a little bit, (laughs) yeah, exactly. He's a little bit People are very on the fence about it. I get mixed messages. I get some really? people, Yeah, I do. I get huh. people just like, he is just the worst. And then I get people say, I know someone like Ed and he just thinks that achievement is how you get love and how you get acceptance. And I, so I liked, it's one of those things that we've all kind of fallen in love with an Ed at some point and then actually taken a step back and thought, they're not actually all that good for me. Um, so yeah, it's, um, Ed, Ed is actually based on a very, very cocky pediatrician that I met once. Um, and he, <laughs> he, was, he was very, very charming. And I don't know what his name was. It was years ago. But he, you know, when you meet someone, as you were saying earlier, you borrow things from real people. And of mm-hmm. course, I don't, I don't know him. It was just, he had a really good face. He was very, very cocky. He walked into a room and I thought, you're going to go in a book one day. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to borrow you for later, put you in my pocket <laughs> when exactly. I need you later. Exactly. And that's what I did. Exactly that. I just thought he walked into a room and I thought I can, I'm, my brain is now going to fill in the gaps of what sort of person you are. But of, of course his name wasn't Ed or anything. As you say, you always change the name. Yes. Um, yeah. He, he represents, I think, Ed, someone that is so rigid in, what he thinks life should be so very kind of you know um sort of you know you have to you have to do this you know you have to go to university you have to leave university you have to go and get a job you know you're not really supposed to enjoy your life you have to wait for the weekends to enjoy yourself and actually I if you would stop Ed and say are you actually really happy I'm not entirely sure he would be and so I've always sympathized with Ed although at the same time kind of wanted to you know say lots of bad things to him <laughs> at the same time. he's on that throttling list so <laughs> but for different reasons I mean yeah. in some ways in some yeah. ways Ed and Dilly are polar opposites and they fill different positions in her life but mm-hmm. <laughs> <Excuse>. <laughs> gonna blame the chai okay I will talk I will talk but um yeah I I think we all ha- we all have those ca- those people in our lives who um if, as you say sort of hold you back in different ways and Ed holds Noelle back because he's constantly telling her who she should be and exactly. Dilly is always kind of telling her what she could be if he could only step up so they're all kind of obstacles really and all how we all know people that have been in, you know, your life from day one and mm-hmm. like 10 years down the line, you think, hang on a minute. Like, this how did I get you here? How did, yeah. How are you and, still And here? should you still be here? Exactly. Which is funny because one of her other friends, Charlie, who it took me a minute to realize was a girl. Um, oh. She asked at some point, like, am I still me? Am I still the person 
that you brought into your life. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because I don't know how many people have the, the vulnerability to say that to their friends. Like, am I still the person that became your friend at this point? Cause so many of us, we have friends that they kind of come alongside us and then they're just there like a barnacle. And sometimes it's a good barnacle and a supportive barnacle. And other times it's like, well, I've kind of dragged you through with me through life, but have you been weighing me down or are you part of my journey and you're just kind of part of the landscape now and I'm used to I think that is that is such a thing when I think you're sort of in your late 20s to 30s mm-hmm. and you have friends that maybe you've had since, you know, 18, 19. And sometimes you're sort of, it's habitual. You see these people and we've all had those people in our lives that we've known for years. But actually, when mm-hmm. we're able to see them, we're feeling a bit like, I don't really know if I've got anything in common anymore or I feel like I've changed and they have changed and we're on different planes and mm-hmm. you're you're supposed to outgrow people and I've always struggled with that I feel like I I feel sad about that and actually I think I realize that that's natural to outgrow people and to grow and move away and so um there's definitely a lot of that in there because I think I'm always thinking about things like that because I'm sort of it's things that I'm viewing as an adult like don't really see them anymore and I wonder why and how much value is this person you know adding to my life or do they just criticize me now and because they've always been there you kind of just it's you just take it. yeah you take yeah. it barnacle exactly as you say they're just there um or they think they have the right because they've known you long enough that they have some kind of authority over you when it's like no and my decisions aren't necessarily your decisions yeah yeah exactly and you're not and as you say like Charlie says am I still the same person because I think identity you worry about that as you get older like I might change when these big things happen to me like I might change when I get married I might change when I have children or I might change when I move to such and such and take this job say if I turn Mm -hmm. into this person and I'm always sort of thinking about my identity still even now and I just think that that's what Charlie that's what Charlie's kind of symbolizing is I'm not losing me, am I? Because I've become a mother and um, yeah. Well, and being a mother is one of those big defining moments where you do kind of move from, like we were joking earlier, adult to, you know, child, child to adult. And if you're the adult in this situation, because you're now taking care of a child. And sometimes if you're seeing people who haven't made that step yet, sometimes it's hard to relate because they don't necessarily have that same that same life journey, but other things might do that for them that Definitely. you can relate to. So it's always Definitely. that that identity and then the relationship and how you guys relate to each other, that has to keep evolving. And if it doesn't, or if it becomes toxic, then it's something you have to look into. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a close friendship that can withstand life changes and mm-hmm. growth, because of course, no one stays the same. Like we have to change. It would be tragic to still be the same person like we learn every single day we learn every single year and we move every single year and those friendships that you have that are kind of unshakable I think they're the they're the exception I think mm-hmm. so when you have them that's why they're so special but um you can kind of mistake I think sometimes the years for mm-hmm. me something more than just I've known this person for 10 years or whatever um so yeah there's definitely a lot of a lot of that in there too well, and one of the comments that happened earlier, Laura had pointed out that she likes to borrow characters and, and have characters from real life. And I, I was laughing when you were talking about the pediatrician because I've stolen our pediatrician's last name for one of my characters just because <laughs> I like it. And it's it's a good character and it's yeah. from the right 
right cultural background to match there. Um, but it's, it's a positive thing. So hopefully yeah. if my pediatrician for my children's, my children's medical care <laughs> ever reads the book and goes, it's a good thing that I'm like, no, it's good. I promise it's good. I would, yeah. I would never steal a last name unless it's a positive thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Definitely. Like it's, a, it's like an honorary little plaque I'm giving them in the book. Oh, I, love, I love you. I love that. I love that. That's such, and it's such a nice thing to do. It's such a nice thing to tell people like, I, my um with dear Emmy Blue my friend um she's in France a lot and so I, I was constantly because there's a lot of France in that book and I was constantly texting her like if you were to go to lunch where would you go and what would you eat and <laughs> and I didn't just want to give her thank you in the back so I put loads of little easter eggs throughout the book oh I, I love it yeah she was texting me like oh my god her son's name was in there and her <laughs> job and oh, it was so lovely it was such a joy so yeah I agree it is only ever a good thing always a good thing well and I generally if I'm stealing from somebody and it's not necessarily positive I will definitely change things and be like <laughs> uh, they, they can't prove that they were in any way the inspiration because oh, no. I changed all the identifying things that could get me sued so that, exactly we're not I'm sure it's fine we, we despise it well we did they well never- and and I was just laughing because because one of the characters in my bourbon book series who she's not a villain and she's actually a very loved character but is kind of seen as sometimes borderline brain dead at times is her name is Laurie and Laura's like that's awfully close to my name I'm like it's not related to you I promise has nothing to do with you written for somebody I knew long time before and her name okay her name was similar to yours but that's not the point seriously not her not her but she does a really good Lori Sunkist impression so we make her do that sometimes like if you ever want to cosplay as a blonde we can do that wow because she's not a blonde but she does a lot of cosplay so this this has now been released in America but you were telling me earlier that it came out earlier in the UK and has an orange cover. So if anybody's watching and is looking for this book in UK bookstores, you're looking for the wrong cover. If you're looking for the <laughs> light blue and pink, it's it's orange, you say? And so we should be looking orange for something. It's hot pink um, and orange. So the background is orange and the writing is hot pink. And Very nice. Still a... Um, an hourglass on the front. So um, yeah, they were just... They were released at different times. Um <laughs> Oh, Laura's saying you totally basically basically <sighs> it. She's on to you. She's like, you cannot deny it. It's like I will <laughs> deny it till I die. Well, and I I love you were talking earlier about the details, and one of the things I love about this cover is you've got kind of a very simplistic, let's just say minimalistic look mm-hmm. of our main characters there. If I can get a little closer, you can see there. So you can kind of fill in whatever man more or less fits under that little beanie cap there, yes. and rather than have to be like, well here this photograph of this actual person is telling you who you're supposed to picture exactly I think that's so important to kind of as I said earlier we've all got our own romantic heroes in our head so I just think use your whoever you think yes Sam should be is who he should be and and that's and that's really funny because I know I've had readers who be like okay so who did you base this person on who'd you base that person on and then I will tell them and they'll go oh I was picturing and then they come up with somebody that isn't <laughs> Not, it's not only not close to who I was picturing, it has it has zero connection with what I actually wrote in the book. So I think sometimes people's own ideas just kind of override. They're like, I really do like that Tom Brady. It's still Tom Brady. I'm like, yeah. yeah. No. How, how did you get there? Still like Tom Brady, though. So I guess that's it. <laughs> like if you're vague enough, they're just going to go with it. I get that all of the time and I'm always like really I was really surprised but I don't you know that the reason I write is for people to have this 
you know, escapism and joy. Exactly. And so it needs to be, it needs to work for them. And that's why I don't ever go into too much detail because I don't ever want to be kind of pushing against the reader like he looks like this and they're like no he doesn't I don't (laughs) I don't want to be tussling with them so I'm like you decide I'll give you a little bit but you can fill in the gaps fill it in with whatever floats your boat and just go with it (laughs) can you tell us about the one that you're writing now or that you finished today oh gosh god that book has put me through the ringer it really has Um, I don't I I mean no, yeah, oh God, don't. I, I don't think I've been very nice to live with. I've been very, very, very emotional, bit moody. Haven't um, been drinking your water, haven't been eating your food. I know, what's probably help. I mean, like, I, I know it's kind of trite, but I mean, mental health is something that's hugely important to me. And yeah. if, you, if you are seeing some kind of therapist or getting medication, those things are important. But they always say basic things like, get outside sometimes. Maybe, maybe eat food, food that makes you feel good. Drink that your water. <laughs> I know, and I'm missing coffee count. <laughs> yeah, I always think just coffee count. If coffee counted, I would be absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, you're right. That it's always the basics, and I'm always a little bit like, oh, that won't help. And it always does. It always does when you're eating properly, when you're treating yourself kindly. I think I'm sleeping properly. Sleep. Oh my god, amazing! Like as soon as you've got good sleep habit down, I think creativity soars. Everything does. So um, yeah, I will be. Um, I think I'll be getting back on the straight and narrow now yeah. I've finished my book. But um yeah, it's about a um it's about someone who recently lost um her husband who is a musician and she can't bear to play piano anymore and work because she was a, a professional um musician. So she busks at a public piano in a train station. And that's what she does every Thursday and Tuesday, every single week. And she doesn't think anybody's listening to her. And then one day someone starts leaving mystery piano music and they were only songs that her husband knew. So oh. is so it's kind of, it's a mystery. And it's, Yeah, that's a heartbreaking premise right there. Oh, <laughs> like, thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to get that reaction. Cause it's, it's weird, isn't it? When you sit with an idea for so long that it almost loses its magic a little bit and yeah. you sit with it for a whole year. Um, but I'm really proud of it. And I, and you know, I really, really have enjoyed it. Although it has put me through the ringer, it's kind of made me, it's made, made me a better writer. And I think that's all you can sort of hope for with each book is that you get better and better and kind of you go deeper and deeper. So, um, but yeah, that's, that will be out next year. I'm not entirely sure on the publication date yet. But well, I especially if you've got like UK and US dates. And I yeah. mean, it's, it's something that I didn't even realize until I became a published author myself that, okay, dates for where we're releasing things isn't always the same. Like, it's a book. Why, why should it be any different here? Oh, no, like, nope, so it may not even be, it may be released at a different time. It may be released in a different genre. Like there, oh, there are books where it's like, oh, well, there it's fantasy, but over here it's historical. I'm like, what? No, I know. So I think in Spain, because I I have, um, I I get quite a lot of readers in Spain, and I found out that I was, um, I think it's YA over there. Okay. Um, which I I do sort of see because there's a lot of YA, there's threads in my Mm -hmm. book, kind of teenage years. But um, you're right, it is weird, and sometimes you don't know that they're coming out until they're out when you have more editions, which is just so weird. Yeah, I just suddenly get tagged in. Those are things and languages that I've, you know, would never be clever enough to speak. Okay, and, but the, the, the one in Spain, is it is it an, a UK 
is it the same as the UK version or is it in Spanish? No, it's in Spanish. <gasps> so yeah, it's amazing. Cause, because I know that there's, that there's quite a few people who are like UK and will go mm. have like their vacations in Spain. So that's, I was just thinking, okay, so is it just a lot of folks who are from the yeah. UK who oh, now yeah. live in Spain? But no, no you're actually reading Spanish. Yes, yeah, a Spanish translation. So lots of people from, um, in like Spanish speaking. So I have a lot of um, Mexican readers as well, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, I was lucky that Emmy Blue, um, my, my second book or first in the US, um, was published in quite a lot of languages. So that's amazing for me. It's just, just a total honour, total honour to that's get fabulous. all these amazing, amazing languages. Just, yeah, beautiful. Very cool. See, I, I would be like, okay, I would want to try to learn another language by reading my own book translated there. I'm like, well, I knew yeah. what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably a good way to learn because I always, you get sent some. So as soon as it's published in another territory, you get some through the post. And I always right. open it like as if I'm going to have any idea, but it's lovely to <laughs> you scan in the pages and then you see something and you're like, oh, I know what I'm saying. I know where I am in my book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah. It's really fun. Well, and I joke, I I just finished watching a show on Netflix that was all in German. And after three seasons, I'm like, I still can't speak or understand any German. has <laughs> not helped at all. I would so love to be able to speak another language, but I, I just can't. I'm Greek as well. And I never got taught Greek. So <laughs> my family all taught, taught Greek, like my extended family, but my dad and well, my dad speaks fluent Greek. Um, he just never really taught. He didn't bother teaching you. You're he like, tried. he did try, but you know what it's like when you're a kid. We were like, oh, we're not learning anything. Like, we're off to play. See ya. And then I got to 34 and was like, I really wish I'd listened. I I'm wish I would have back when my brain was a sponge and could have soaked up that other language much <laughs> easier. Exactly. Now, not so much. Yeah, Is Leah easy. a Greek name? Because I was going to say it. It might be. I feel like I've seen that as a Greek name before. Yeah, it's um. It, it's a shortening, but mine actually is like I was christened and it's on my birth certificate. It's not just Leah, yeah. but um, so it's just L I A, but um, it, it can be sort of taken from lots of long, longer names. Um, so yeah, I it is, I think it's quite a it's sort of like a modern take. I think a lot of um, as kind of you know, Greek mothers, although my mum is British, I'm only half Greek, but um, we kind of got into the 80s and 90s and the Greek mums were revolting like. We don't want the long, complicated names. <laughs> so my mum and my dad just kind of come to this compromise, and um, we've well, got three of- letters long is pretty short. So I <laughs> you did not get a long, complicated she name. Won the battle, she really did. She fought the battle and she won. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with a nice short name. And Lewis <laughs> is weirdly Greek somehow. I don't know how. Wait, Lewis is Greek too? <laughs> yeah, we're like I don't know weird Greek family with that last name, like. I don't think people believe us when we go over to Cyprus and they're like, <laughs> like you sure? No. <laughs> sure yeah. your Greek credentials here. <laughs> like, yeah. I know. But yeah, it is. My whole name is Greek. So, um, well, very nice. So I, I'm hoping you can go back to Greece at some point and find oh. like a Greek edition and be like, I, I should be able to read this, but I cannot have your dad read it for you oh, <laughs> or a distant relative. Have one of them do that. Yes, well, exactly. Well, do you have a title or a working title for the book that's in work now? No, I've never been this late without one. And we're all brainstorming in an email at the moment, my agents and editors. So I'm hoping someone comes up with like something that it just goes, yes, it's hard. Again, characters, sometimes they come, don't they? And other times, like, this is really difficult. And this No, and 
that's happened for me. Sometimes it's like the title is there when the whole concept is just, it comes as part of the package. And other times it's like, well, you know what? You can't publish it without a title or you kind of need one for a book that I was querying. It's like, well, I haven't titled it, but it's required in querying manager. So I guess I'm going to stick something in there. I know. I'm going to have to record something. I know. It's hard. It's really hard to come up with a title sometimes. And I think this is one of them that's going to be hard, but um, we'll have one soon. I'm sure you'll have one soon and it'll be beautiful. And it's, I wonder if there's going to be one of the words starts with E because if dear Emmy blue and then eight perfect hours, yeah. like one, of the, one of the E's should start with, or one of the letters should, one of the words should start with the letter E. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Are they all three words too? Like dear Emmy blue, eight perfect yeah. hours. Do you need three? Is that a requirement? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's, that's something to chew on. I think. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We will. <laughs> Well, Leah, this has been fabulous talking to you. I'm sorry I coughed at you. I'm going oh to blend the chai and the cold I've been getting over. Aww. It wasn't COVID. We had my kid tested. Just, good. Yeah. I, I know. You're going to be vaxxed very soon. I, I'm already vaxxed, but it doesn't yeah. mean I still won't get a cold. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today. And I just want to thank you and everyone who's been watching live or we watching the replay later thank you so much and we would love for everyone to come back and join us on december 7th when we have jenny holiday author of duke actually joining us here so i have i go from no romance to two back-to-back <laughs> but i mean it's it's the holidays and that's when you need romance yeah that's the time for romance so i'm excited for that and this has been a copywritten podcast of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'd like to thank our producer, Roman Sirison, and executive producer, Pam Stack. Thank you, everyone, for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye.